0: The Waltons won't be seen tonight so he can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X-Files. Welcome to The Gen X-Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about the, the Omega, Omega man. man. Oh, yeah. He's the last man. Yeah, he is. Well, the last human man. <laughs> True. Everybody became... Silver-eyed albinos. (laughs) Crusty faces.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This movie's so weird. Oh, yeah. it is. uh, You talk about a time capsule of the early 70s. Oh, well, this is what's so great about it
0: is it is I absolutely adore 70s sci-fi movies. Oh, yeah. This, I will stop and watch it if it's on. When we used to have cable, Mm -hmm. if this was on or if... Uh, Soylent Green is on. Oh yeah. Oh, any yeah. of the Charlton Heston you know, <laughs> or Rollerball. Oh yeah. Or, you know, with that's James Caan. But uh, yeah, you know yeah, any yeah. of those like seventies dystopian future. They're so much fun. Oh man. A THX 1138. Oh yeah. There's just a huge subgenre of amazing 70s sci-fi that is unlike any other period. You know the yeah. 50s is very uh, its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. The 60s is kind of boo boo boo. But yeah. the seventies, man. Oof, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Battlestar Galactica. even like the
1: Star the Wars, shows, Battlestar yeah. Galactica, yeah.
0: all that stuff just uh,
1: It's a great time. Geez, great so. time to be alive. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> well take stuff back to nineteen seventy one. February twenty eighth. Evil Knievel sets a world record and jumps nineteen cars on a motorbike in Ontario, California. E- evil friggin' Knievel. <laughs> <laughs> he people
0: I I know I say this a lot, but there was a time when a man like that could capture the entire attention of the entire country. Yes. And he would have specials like his Snake Canyon jump and his rocket car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was one of the biggest television events in (laughs) history. Yeah. Anytime he came on to do something... We all loved it. I had yeah. the Evil Knievel stunt bike thing. Oh yeah, a yeah. Zhip. You pull the little, zhip. yeah, and he would
1: he would yeah. do the wheelie and then it had take this off. like plastic,
0: yeah. uh, almost like a uh, lawnmower. It was like a, you... like a ripcord. Yeah, yeah, pull the yeah, ripcord, yeah. and, and it does wheelie yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Oh man, this man, Evil Knievel. <laughs> it, it's just insane. The, the Simpsons do a really great uh, yeah, parody yeah. of him with—I uh, forget the name of the character, like Chuck Granley or something. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I I remember just being captivated, and we oh, were yeah. all around yeah. the TV set watching him just jump stuff, of course jumping.
1: Everyone wanted to watch him
0: die. Exactly. <laughs> he came close a lot of times. I think the the Snake Canyon one was pretty
1: brutal. The, the crash—he broke every bone in his body like three times. Yeah, like it was bad. Oh yeah, God, that's. That's dedication. But, you know, he he milked it, and he had it, and it happened. And and it was, uh, I mean, his movie is one of the single greatest, worst movies of all time. Oh, yeah. It's so phenomenal. I can't believe they haven't made, like, a biopic of him. No. Recently. Well, it's because of all the Super Dave Osborne. They were like, no, we got it. It's right. fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I mean, they, there needs to be. I think there probably is. There should, yeah. You know? I know. Is his kid still alive?
0: His kid was doing stuff. I think so. His kid's like 80 now, but it's I, like. Yeah, yeah. You
1: know. I think so, but I don't I don't know. Exactly, anyway. Man. <sighs> just, Eventually, we're going to cover the Evil Knievel movie, and and we'll we'll go deeper into I mean, Evil It's just Knievel. the absolute, just. Capturing of the world that Evil Can Evil did. <laughs> Just a stunt guy in a silly suit. <laughs> April twentieth, Swan versus Charlotte Mecklenburg Board of Education. The Supreme Court of the United States rules unanim- unanimously that busing of students may be ordered to achieve racial desegregation. Yeah, made a lot of people angry. 1971. Insane. They still couldn't get this right. Yeah,
0: well, I think there's a few people that would like to well, go back to that now. Well, there's a few people that have...
1: A few, few places that have gone back to that, yeah. 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 Politics. Yeah. Uh, in June 1971, The Exorcist by William Peter Blatty is released, which would eventually sell 13 million copies and spawn five movies with a new sequel trilogy on the way.
0: My favorite uh,
1: cut of that... <laughs> Because
0: uh, you know you, you you had to change a lot of stuff to put it on TV. Sure. And the line "Your mother sucks blanks in hell." Yeah. Was your mother so socks in hell? <laughs> she so socks in hell. <laughs> wow. I even said heck. Your mother you so socks in heck.
1: heck. Yeah. Uh, I've been looking forward to the new. Uh, uh, what's this, the guy who did the the last Halloween? David Gordon Green oh. is doing the new trilogy of of The Exorcist. Okay. I know. I, I mean, know. I love the original Exorcist. It scared oh, the, the, original the Jesus of me. Oh, the original fantastic. Enemy. Yeah. It was
0: like, I saw the Exorcist and the I've spoken about this before, mm-hmm. but I saw both the Exorcist and the Omen way, 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 way too young. Yeah. And I yeah. was way, way, way too Catholic. Yeah. And I was convinced that I was either going to be invaded by the devil. Right. By the devil. The devil. And be uh, possessed. Or, more likely, <laughs> I would find a 666 on my head. And prove that I am the son of the
1: devil. (laughs) It has to be about Jerry. Jerry's still out. (laughs) Well. Jerry's still out. Haven't shaved your head yet. There is something up there. It's a 667. Oh. You're just next door to the beast. It's fine. Uh, August 1st, The Omega Man premieres. Yay. Excellent. Yeah. So The Omega Man starts with Richard Matheson. Matheson was born in Allendale, New Jersey in 1926, but was raised in Brooklyn after his parents divorced when he was eight. He also had his first short story published in the Brooklyn Eagle newspaper when he was eight years old. Impressive. Impressive. Yeah. Matheson went to fight in Europe during World War II. He would later write a novel, The Beardless Warriors, about the experience that was released in 1960. After returning from the war, Matheson graduated from the Missouri School of Journalism in 1949 and then moved to California. His short story, Born of Man and Woman, was published in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction summer 1950 issue, the new quarterly's third issue is the tale of a monstrous child chained by its parents in the cellar, written in the form of the creature's diary and using non-idiomatic English.
0: Nice. Sounds cool.
1: Yeah, it sounds fun. Later that year, Matheson placed stories in the first and third issues of Galaxy Science Fiction, a new monthly. His first anthology work uh, of work was published in 1954. He's released, like, 40... Anthologies of short stories. Very cool. Yeah. Matheson's first novel to be published, Someone is Bleeding, appeared from Lion Books in 1953. It would later be adapted in the 1974 French Italian film La Sonde Glace, which literally translates into Icy Breasts. Icy Breasts? I swear to God, there is a French Italian movie from 1974 called Icy Breasts. Are you sure it was not a misprint? It's Icy Beasts? Nope. <laughs> nope. Icy Breasts. Uh, yeah, it, it has to do with the book. I, I think it's a noir book with a, um, a femme fatale. With really cold breasts? Cold boobies, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Matheson was gaining attention for his writing, releasing two more novels in 1953 and 54, but wouldn't be recognized by Hollywood until he released The Shrinking Man in 1956, which would be adapted into the feature film The Incredible Shrinking Man, released in 1957. Cool movie. Yeah, yeah. Matheson sold the story to Universal International Pictures before he finished the novel with the condition that he be allowed to write the screenplay. He completed the screenplay and the novel around the same time. The film was directed by Jack Arnold, who had directed seminal sci-fi classics like It Came from Outer Space in 1953, Creature from the Black Lagoon in 1954, and Tarantula in 1955. Tarantula. Tar- Tarantula. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the Incredible Shrinking Man would be his most memorable film, although Creature from the Black Lagoon has its fans. Oh, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, and yeah. and Tarantula
0: is really awesome, too. And It Came from Outer Space is also a big cult hit. So I think all of his films are pretty
1: <laughs> well-known in the yeah, sci-fi I just I panels. don't know Jack Arnold very well. This is, again, we're going back to the sci-fi from the 50s, right. which was all this kind of weird... It was almost more like theater plays being filmed. Sure. Like, it was, it was just a lot of sets. And, but all of these films are classics. From oh, the no, movie no, no. I agree. So, I agree. Um, Absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
1: It would uh, later be made again, The Incredible Shrinking Man, would be, later be made again into the 1981 film The Incredible Shrinking Woman, starring Lily Tomlin, Charles Gurdon, Ned Beatty, Jonathan Glover, and directed by Joel Schumacher. So weird. I forgot Joel Schumacher directed
0: it. <laughs> it's such so a so weird
1: I. <laughs> movie. It's like,
0: it's, it's kind of a, a cautionary tale about um, chemicals and stuff, because I yeah. think yeah. All these chemicals. Cause her to get cause small. Cause her to get small. And Charles <laughs> Grodin. That's really and weird. Charles Grodin. <laughs> it's just. And Charles Grodin. Net Beatty. Yeah. It was a really good movie. And it was like. They thought she was just going to disappear. And everybody was sad. Right. Right. But she didn't. No. it She got. But and then the end. <laughs> oh no. She got. She came back to regular size. And then. Sloop. Her foot jumps out of her. Bush oh, out of her she shoe got, yeah. and now she I was, think they
1: were going to make the incredible growing they d- woman. They, they did do an a- attack of the 50 foot woman. Right. But, they uh, were, but it I, wasn't, yeah, yeah. No. But
0: I think, I,
1: it, I don't think Incredible Shrinking Woman did as well as they thought it was right. going to do.
0: <laughs> right. So the the, um, the cliffhanger ending was never <laughs> realized. It's, it's a super weird movie, but it's a fun great movie. Yeah. If you're a
1: Lily Tomlin fan, watch it. She also does uh several characters in it too just not the not just the incredible shrinking right nice nice matheson's gambit worked and he started writing films in tv uh, unfortunately it would be seven years before another of his novels would be adapted to the silver screen in 1964 the last man on earth starring vincent price would be released it would be adapted by matheson from his 1954 novel i am legend I'm Legend tells the tale of Ro- Richard Neville, a veteran in Los Angeles who, through being bit by a vampire bat while in service, is spared from an air transmissible vi- vampire virus that affects the entirety of the planet. What's so sad is the rest of his brothers, the Neville brothers, they
0: all died, and he didn't ever sing again after no, that. He never no.
1: sang again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> in memoriam to Aaron. <laughs> yes. <exactly. laughs> I was trying to think of that song.
0: <laughs> the the What did Aaron Neville sing? I don't remember. If remember? I heard it, I yeah. What, no, go, go. No, I can't,
1: I can't no come on. I think that was close. Uh,
0: I don't know much, but oh, I know I, know I, I love, love you. you.
1: Was that that was Aaron Neville? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it is now. Uh, so Neville works tirelessly, trying to figure out a way to cure the virus, not realizing that the vampires have evolved and are the majority of society now. While Neville hunts them during the day.
0: Now, see, I think that is the more interesting story: is that that the newer species, if you will, after this and you know right. world-ending right. event, uh, is evolving, and the the guy that's trying to bring everybody back right. is is kind of the bad guy. Because yeah, because yeah, he's kind of passing. No, that's at this point. that's
1: the beautiful part about this book and why it is my favorite novel because it really is an allegory for World War Two veterans coming home, yeah. and not fitting back into society.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. And
1: realizing that like all the people you thought you knew aren't really the same anymore something that would be again happening after Vietnam. But like that was the crux of the novel was that. You think you're something, but everybody else can look at you very differently.
0: Well, sure. And it's
1: also, yeah, exactly. I mean, you
0: think you're the hero of the story, but you could be the villain.
1: Right, exactly. And it's, it's such a brilliant book. Uh, despite adapting his own work into The Last Man on Earth, Matheson wasn't very pleased with how the movie turned out, so he opted to use a pseudonym to receive residuals well, without having his name on the project. It was Richard Batheson. Uh, no, <laughs> yes, it was, <laughs> it was a ditcher. Ditchard. Ditchard Batheson. Richard Ratheson. It was like Lawson something, I, but uh, it was named after his Mother and mother-in-law's maiden name or something. Uh, This is despite the fact that it has a title card saying, based on a novel by Richard Matheson. So his name was on it anyway. Game's up, buddy. (laughs) About it, Matheson said... I was disappointed in the film. Even though they
0: more or less followed my story, I think Vince Price, whom I love, and every one of his pictures that I wrote was miscast. I also feel the direction was kind of poor. I just didn't care
1: for it. Yeah. Not my cup of tea. The weird thing is that in the novel, obviously... Neville is supposed to be in like his late twenties or early thirties, and at this point, Vincent Price was like fifty-four. Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm the last man on earth. Where's my nephew,
0: Jody? <laughs> they
1: <laughs> they went. It was. It, it's not a bad movie. It's just kind of slow, and like they obviously shot it very cheaply in sure. Rome, and like it's it's like a Hammer film kind yeah, of. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's fine. But, you know, it, it, it should have been made in the 50s. Like, it still kind of had that that production Good value. And, yeah. yeah, Matheson's World War II novel, The Beardless Warriors, was adapted into The Young Warriors in 1967, despite tossing the majority of the plot from the novel. His 1959 novel, Ride the Nightmare, which had been adapted into an Alfred Hitchcock Hour episode, was adapted into the feature film Cold Sweat, starring Charles Bronson in 1970. That's right, Pally. I was in a cold sweat. <laughs> Uh, I, want, I actually watched the Alfred Hitchcock Hour episode uh, that this was based yeah. on, and it was pretty interesting. Like, it's not bad. I'd be curious to see Bronson in it, because yeah. it had some good twists in it. Again, again buddy, <laughs> I'm going to shoot you in the face. Uh, so, the plot of it is that an American living in France must face his past when his wife and daughter are kidnapped by former fellow convicts turned narco dealers he once double crossed. Ooh, shouldn't double crossed him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was bad on me, Pally.
1: <laughs> the movie was directed by Terence Young, who directed the first two Bond movies, Dr. No. and From Russia with Love. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm going to check it out at some point. Totally. Charlton Heston had read the original novel "I Am Legend" on an airplane coming back to Los Angeles, and was very interested in a modern adaptation of the book. Very interested. Uh, he was also totally unaware of the fact that it had been made into a film with Vincent Price. Who's Vincent Price? He <laughs> didn't even bother to do any research.
0: He's never even played a Mexican. <laughs>
1: Heston called upon his friend and producer Walter Seltzer, who in turn hired married couple John William Corrington and Joyce H. Corrington to readapt Math- Matheson's novel I Am Legend with Heston playing the titular hero Robert Neville. Nice. I want to see a movie about that writing team in the 70s. Uh, it would, they've worked on some interesting stuff. Uh, we'll get, I'll get to them in just a second. Uh, Seltzer had worked with Heston previously on The Warlord in 1965 set during 11th century France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Will Penny in 1967, a western with Donald That's actually a good movie Oh yeah? Mm -hmm. I've never seen it Number one in 1969, a sports film with Jessica Walter Interesting Yeah. After the Omega Man, Celso would work with Heston on Skyjacked in 1972 with James Berlin. Soylent Green in 1973
0: It's people! Soylent Green is people!
1: Spoilers! Okay, sorry, spoiled (laughs) a 50-year-old film (laughs) The Last Hard Men in 1976, a Western with James Coburn
0: That was uh, creepy Oh, yeah. Because it was, uh, there was this <laughs> bout of impotence going around the West back then. I don't know. It's, it's not in most of the history books, but, but he was the last one, and he pretty last much kept the came. population going single handedly. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He's kind of like the Genghis Khan of the, or the, uh, uh, what's that kid today? Uh, Oh, uh, Nick Cannon! He's like the Nick Cannon
1: (laughs) of his time. Or apparently, I found out recently, Sean Kemp, the basketball player, who apparently has twenty-four children. Nice. Yeah, no. Oh, I mean, not nice. It's a lot of kids. He just got arrested for a drive-by shooting, randomly. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) good good, uh, role model for his dozens. Twenty-four children. children. (laughs) The Corringtons had written five scripts together, but only one before the Omega Man. Uh, Von Richter. Oh my god. Von Richthofen in Brown in 1971, also known as The Red Baron, and directed by Roger Corman. Yeah. It was uh, Roger Corman's largest movie up to that point. Uh, it was it had a huge budget. Yes, until he made I, Frankenstein,
0: or whatever. That yeah, was. yeah,
1: something later. Uh, Boxcar Bertha in 1972, they wrote, starring Barbara Hershey and David Carradine, produced by Roger Corman and directed by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's one of his first movies from It's his first. His first movie. Yeah.
0: Okay. No, I mean, Corman got these guys right out of film school. Sure, sure.
1: Uh, and I, Boxcar Bertha, I've never seen it, so I have no idea if it's any good or not.
0: No, it's not. Okay. But I mean, it's better than most... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. But it's Scorsese... I mean, it's... It, th- this and... I forget the name of the one that uh, Coppola directed. I think it was... Uh, uh, I can't I remember. Yeah. But it's interesting to watch their Corman films because... Yeah. Their beginnings, and watching them direct B-movies is really interesting.
1: Right. Because
0: it still has you, their sensibility. You still see
1: their, their director they're, they're panache, still, yes. but it has that sheen of Corman on it. Yes. <laughs> dirty sheen of Corman. <laughs> they also wrote The Arena in 1974, a gladiator exploitation film starring Pam Greer. Weird. Yeah. Uh, and Battle for the Planet of the Apes in 1973, the final installment of The Apes Quintology, and arguably the weirdest of the five. Which, which one is it's that? It's the one... So after the end of the second movie, uh, they go back in time, and then the third and fourth movies are set during the 70s, Right, and then they fast-forward again, like, 2,000 years, and it's this giant battle between the apes, the weird, like, mutants underground... And then some people. All oh, right. And then it 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 ends. Not to spoil anything, but it ends with the entire world exploding. <laughs> well, <laughs> like it's the way to, it, that's a perfect way to end the franchise. Super weird, uh, but it makes sense that they wrote it because of what they end up doing with the Omega Man and the fact that Joyce Carrington is was a like virologist. Oh. Like, yeah. Uh, so they also wrote a television film, The Killer Bees, in 1974, starring Gloria Swanson, Kate Jackson, and Edward Albert. I love that movie so much. When it came out.
0: <laughs> oh, everybody was so excited, because it's, The, killer, the bees killer Bees were, were coming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For like 20 years, The Killer they Bees just were coming. They kept saying, they're coming from Mexico, coming. they're coming. They're coming, yeah. and we were all petrified of these Killer Bees, these I, swarming bees. That I remember kill you. into the 80s, like it's yeah. still being a thing, yeah. And so... We were all just waiting for the movie, and it came out. And poor Edward Albert, I think he got stoned.
1: Oh, probably did.
0: But there was like, there was a horrible scene. It was a great scene, <laughs> but the bees attack like a bus. Oh they wow! Kill all these kids.
1: Oh wow! Oh yeah, <laughs> bees were jerks. Uh, I'll have to look for it on YouTube. I I've just discovered all these random TV movies from the seventies and early eighties that are just on YouTube. Yeah, we we need to do some some of those. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Uh, John Corrington was an English professor turned lawyer, and his wife Joyce had a doctorate in chemistry. Interesting. Uh, Ironically for the Omega Man, Joyce immediately did away with the idea of vampires as being silly and instead made biological warfare as the cause of the plague that kills most of the population by asphyxiation and turns most of the rest into nocturnal albino mutants. As
0: it does. So it was a little bit of overkill, honestly. You got the, (laughs) you know, Russian Sino uh, nuclear... Annihilation happening, and then somehow a
1: biological agent got. Well, that's the thing is, I think the the missiles they were shooting weren't nukes. I think they were bioweapons. weapons. Why did they have nuke clouds? Mushroom I don't clouds? Because it's it still an explosion. It was just full of stuff that makes you die. It was full of cordyceps. That's <laughs> why I look like mushroom clouds. Cordyceps. Oh, let's not talk about cordyceps. Cordyceps. Yeah. Uh, so the Corringtons would eventually get into writing daytime serials. Search for Tomorrow between 78 and 80, Another World in 1980, Texas in 80 to 81, General Hospital in 82, Capital in 82 and 83, and One Life to Live in 84. They also wrote and produced Superior Court, a syndicated series from 86 to 89. Uh, They just eventually end up writing soap operas. Eh, It's good work if you can get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Shout out to Another World. That was my mom's favorite soap opera. General Hospital was my sister's for a while because I remember...
0: That I, There's like Luke and Laura Yeah Was that General Hospital
1: Maybe That, that might have been Days thing. of Our Lives I No mean, I think you're right I think, I think General, was General Hospital, Hospital Luke and Laura yeah. yeah you're right You're right Oh Luke and Laura Yeah uh, <laughs> Seltzer would hire Boris Segal To direct the Omega Man uh, Heston had originally Approached Orson Welles To direct the Omega Man Having worked with him In 1958 In, the t- in Touch of Evil Where I played a Mexican <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hola <laughs> Hola Everyone <laughs>
0: He uh, wants some uh, burritos. I'm Mexican. Get it? Arriba, hundley. It's adiós.
1: <laughs> despite him playing adios. a Mexican, it's such a fantastic movie. It is, but it's just like, but it's really you got to really go with the fact that <laughs> he's a Mexican. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's, I couldn't find any reason why Orson Welles turned it down. I'm guessing just because he was too fat drinking too much wine uh, i am eating wine and peas yeah uh, i have no time for that seagal had a long history of directing tv episodes and movies seagal's tv credits include directing episodes of the twilight zone the cat also known as t-h-e cat which i've never heard of
2: yeah uh, alfred
1: hitchcock presents night gallery Columbo, candidate for crime peter gunn and the man from uncle he also directed the 1972 television adaptation of Percy McKay's play, The Scarecrow, for PBS. All right. He was nominated for four primetime Emmy Awards for his direction of the miniseries, Rich Man, Poor Man. Rich Man, Poor Man. Oh remember, that was a big, remember that? Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. That
0: was, miniseries were huge. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huge back then. The, the biggest ones were like Shogun yeah. or The Day After. Roots. Or Roots, but it was an event that you couldn't miss. Because yeah. most people yeah. didn't have VCRs or that kind of stuff, so you had to like sit. Like I remember right. when Shogun came out, and I was in grade school, and the teachers like, "You should watch it for yeah. for education." So we did. <laughs> and I'm like, "Really? Yeah. You mean uh, Christopher? <laughs> what is it? Something Chamberlain? What was the name of the guy that was starred in the Shogun?" Richard Chamberlain. Richard Chamberlain. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, next week when we, we cover The Night Stalker, we'll go heavier in TV movies, but the guy who directed Night Stalker did a 30-hour miniseries. Good lord. Uh, yeah. Which we'll talk it about. It sounds like a series. I it's, It it, it was Maxi over series. literally two, it was two chunks a month long over like a year and a half. It
0: okay. was, cra-
1: yeah, it was crazy. Uh, Seagal is the father of Katie Seagal for Married, Chil- Married with Children. Right, right. on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, he was killed early in the production of the TV film World War III in 1981 in a helicopter accident in Oregon. Horrifying. He had just returned. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> he had just returned from filming aerial shots, his helicopter landing in the parking lot of the Timberline Lodge on Mount Hood, where they shot the exteriors of the location for The Shining in 1980. Uh, preoccupied with his work, he inadvertently turned the wrong way upon getting out of the helicopter, walking directly into the rear rotor blade. Oh my God. I always heard stories about how a helicopter could cut your head off, and I never believed it to be true. Oh, yeah, but holy crap! So everybody ducks. But uh, oh man, that is but really distracting. It, I mean, it wasn't the overhead one. No, no, but, but still. it was. Yeah, is
0: mm, yeah. John Hamm's character in uh, Thirty Rock. Lost both of his hands oh, from helicopter right. blades. <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> I forgot about that. So it's very common. Uh, he died of severe head and shoulder injuries after emergency surgery 60 miles away in Portland. Astonishingly, filming resumed the very next day with a new director.
0: Yay! Right, come on. That's enough morning. Yay, Hollywood. <laughs> Let's take five minutes. How awful. It is awful. Hey, it's called show business, <laughs> not show respect of debt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. That's horrifying. Can you imagine? I can't... The, the, ah, man, could you imagine seeing that?
1: You, you would just be
0: you, effed forever. Because you
1: know there were people there waiting Who's... to talk to him, and then they see him walking, and they're like, what are you doing? Oh, oh God. Yeah. Oh, I didn't want Awful. And the fact that he was alive, yeah. it didn't kill him right away. No, no, that's that's worse. That, oh, man, that poor like, Katie
0: Seagal. What a horrible yeah, way for your father to exactly, died. exactly.
1: And she was probably a teenager. Uh, Yeah, because I think, well... Yeah, she's older than me. She would have been... Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, she might have been... She might have even been in her 20s at that point. Maybe, but still, it's like, what a horrible way to lose. That's awful. Awful. Yeah. Uh, So, obviously, Charlton Heston plays Robert Neville. Uh, Heston was involved in four films in 1970, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, the sequel to the smash hit Planet of the Apes, which he wasn't in for very much. Uh, the Hawaiians, based on the James A. Michener novel Hawaii, which was a box office flop. Yeah, that book is 7,000 pages long. Is that the Michener book? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's no way to adapt that book.
1: Yeah. It's so I, boring. Have I you don't, ever read it? No. Oh, I don't God. read Michener. I, because Michener's a
0: slog. That's why I don't read Michener. Uh, the. What was the Wings of Something? Wings of Desire? Or uh, wings of. Probably. Wings of War? Winds Wing, of War. Wings of, winds war. of War. That's Herman
1: Woke. That's Herman Woke. Sorry. Yeah. He's better than, oh,
0: James Michener. Good Lord.
1: But that was also a Somebody needs an editor. We'll be talking about that next week as well. Well, that was a good movie, actually. <laughs> yeah. and that, and then there was uh, War and Remembrance, which I think was the sequel to it. Yep. Anyway, very long, very, very, very long miniseries. Uh Julius Caesar he was in in an adaptation of the Shakespeare play with Heston playing Mark Antony uh, acting alongside Jason Robards, John Gilgood, Robert Vaughn, Richard Chamberlain, Diana Rigg and Christopher Lee. What a strange group of actors. I'm Mark Antony. Yeah, he played Mark Antony like 3 or 4 times during his career. It's super weird. I don't look at him and think of him as a Shakespeare actor. No. He but look, he was huge, man. I, Heston no, I, was yeah. big. I know, I know. I know he got was, nominated for Oscars, didn't he? I, yeah, I think maybe. so. I mean, maybe for Ben Hur and and uh, when he played Moses for Ten. Commandments. Let my people go. I don't actually. To be honest, I don't know. I will have to look that up. I
0: uh, we'll talk God, about the it. Ten Commandments. <laughs> Jeepers creepers, that's awful. And Ben Hur, my God, I saw Ben Hur at the uh, Cinerama Dome before. It oh yeah. Closed for yeah. the re- renovation. Yeah, but yeah. Now it's closed. Closed. I think.
1: Yeah. Well. I think it got reopened by another theater chain. Well, before they
0: closed anyway. it to redo it right. many right. years ago, one of the last films they showed was Ben-Hur. Mm-hmm. And good God, that movie is long. It's like four <laughs> hours long. It yeah. has an intermission. Yeah, There are two good scenes in that movie. That's it. <laughs> there's the ship battle. Yeah. And then there's the, 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 the chariot race. race.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: that's it, man.
1: Everything else is everything
0: just, else is just three and a half hours of just <laughs> what the F
1: <laughs> Movie it could have been a short. <laughs> he also did in nineteen seventy King a filmed record, Montgomery to Memphis, with Heston narrating the film. It was a documentary. Was it about Elvis? Uh, yeah. No, it was about Martin Luther King. <laughs> oh, wait. Say that again. <laughs> and King, a filmed record, Montgomery to Memphis. Oh, Montgomery to Memphis. Okay. <laughs> Well, you didn't say Martin Luther King Jr. That was the title. I know,
0: but the the, the Elvis was also known as the King. Sure, and he sure. he had a place in Memphis called Graceland.
1: No, it was about, <laughs> that's true, but it was about Martin Luther King. People forget that Heston was a huge supporter of the civil rights movement. He didn't register as a Republican until 1987 when he denounced the Democratic Party and threw his weight behind Ronald Reagan. Yes, he he got to that age that many white men get to. Where they've had a very successful career,
0: and people paid a lot of attention to them, and they commanded a lot of respect, then they get older, and they don't have as much power or respect or, or fame, and they get a little angry, and they lash out, and they become dicks. (laughs) <laughs> and he became a dick You can pry it out of my cold dead hands Which we did I actually went to his grave After he, Charlton Heston died And I pried that pistol out of his cold dead hands Nice nice. He dared me
1: to do it Adam he did. Uh, you, you don't back down from a dare Nope he double dog dared <laughs> By this point in his career Heston was growing tired of being an action star It was also around this time that He started to lean towards being a gun rights activist He was also Extremely out of shape And older. He was 40-something. He could run a mile in less Uh, than four minutes. Oh, I did
0: it in three minutes and 45 seconds. That's pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) My flabby man boobs hit me in the face, too. I have two black eyes from my nips.
1: Yeah, he was like 47 or
0: 48. I got to give that mother effer credit. Guy takes his shirt off like he's Michael B. Jordan.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah, where like he's, he's just
0: been—he's super cut. <laughs> he's more like Michael B. Eaton because he's got a little belly and some boobies, and his hair—he's just the hair suit man. People didn't care. It was, back a then. Di- it was a different time. That was in shape back then. Yeah, yeah. But oh man, his shirt off with his
1: belt a little oh, too tight, that, his little the chub the hanging over, just a little height. Yeah, uh, I'm so uncomfortable. Ugh. I, can't, I don't want to get comfortable. I just want to take off my shirt. <laughs> he took it off any chance he got, man. He yeah. did any chance. There was at least three scenes where he
0: actively well, took that, his shirt off. Then anywhere,
1: <laughs> ah, he's in the middle of those stories. Well, ah. I mean, he was looking for new clothes, he so didn't I... put them on. He just grabbed. Well, he him got and started distracted. Walking around. He got distracted by the fake mannequin. Right. Yeah, look, yeah. even
0: alone, I'm embarrassed to take my shirt off. So I, I guess maybe <laughs> I'm just a little jealous. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I'm right there with you. Uh, uh, his salary for the Omega Man was $300,000, equivalent to about $2.4 million today. Nice. Uh, Heston identified with Neville, saying that if he were in a similar situation, he would pilfer paintings from museums to hang in his home as well. Yes. Uh, all the paintings around were was stuff that was available at the LA, uh, at LACMA, I believe. Oh, nice. Yeah. The ones that eventually all got destroyed by the, albino mutants. Those guys are dicks. They were. Uh, the scene in which Heston's character watches Woodstock inspired Joel Hodgson to create Mystery Science Theater 3000 in 1988. <laughs> it's okay. okay. Get it? <laughs> which is weird. I mean, I kind of get it because he wasn't really doing the MST3K stuff during the movie. He made one or two comments. Yeah. But the entirety of the movie, Heston is literally a walking, talking MST3K. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just commenting on everything good movie <laughs> it's really funny
2: uh,
1: uh, Anthony Zerbe got uh, cast as Jonathan Mathias oh my god Anthony Zerbe
0: was in everything in the 70s and yeah 90s, especially yeah. TV but that guy was like your seminal bad guy or yeah. cult leader or whenever you needed a, a
1: bad dude Anthony Zerby. Get them Zerbs. (laughs) Uh, He owes much of his career to Charlton Heston, with Heston suggesting him for the film Will Penny in 1967 after seeing Zerby act in a theater production.
0: You should get Zerby for Will Penny.
1: (laughs) Get the Zerb. What are you talking about? (laughs) That same year, uh, Zerby played a small role in Cool Hand Luke. Oh, such a good movie. Great movie. Uh, Zerby was commonly seen in many TV shows like... Naked City, The Virginian, Kung Fu, in two episodes. The Big
0: Valley, Route 66, The Wild Wild West. 12 O'Clock High, Bonanza, Mission Impossible, five episodes, Gunsmoke, y Five-O, Maddox, four episodes, It Takes a Thief, The Chisholms, Ironside, The FBI, The Rookies, The Rockford Files,
1: Dynasty, Columbo, as well as numerous others. Yeah, he was in TV every day. All the time. All Always the time. playing a bad guy. Uh, he appeared in a number of films as well.
0: Papillon, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, an amazing movie. <laughs> I think he was the bad guy in that. License to Kill, the turning point, the dead zone, Star Trek insurrection, the Matrix Reloaded, and the Matrix Revolutions.
1: Oh, nice! Yeah, he was. Uh, I believe he was one of the um, hippies. Yeah, well, the, like the leaders in Zion. I think Ugh. he was one of those. Yeah, I hated Zion. <laughs> hated it. It was like a nasty,
0: stinky rave. It was everybody it just was, jumping I'm up. Sure, it smelled terrible. Ugh. Yeah, Zion, can kiss it. I'd rather, <laughs> much rather be in the Matrix.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. I would be happily there with joy Pants, just like. Dancing around with all these idiots. Make me forget everything. Please. In 1976, Zerby won an Emmy Award for Outstanding Continuing Performance by a Supporting Actor in a Drama Series for his role as Lieutenant Casey Trench in the private detective series, Harry O. Harry O. Yeah. Zerby's still around at age 86, but hasn't acted much in the last five years. He
0: is great. He is another journeyman. Yeah. Another he was one of my favorite bad guys in the seventies. I always loved when he turned up. And it's just such a the one of the things I love about the Omega Man is he was the news guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. At the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And you
0: know, and he it gives his character so much more depth because it's like, is he just trying to keep that frame or keep that, you know, or
1: is he He had to, yeah. It's really an interesting character. Well, I d- I think it definitely supports the fact that they could have been, uh, they they could have been cured. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the the movie he he ends up curing the kid, and yeah. then he's like, they could have been cured, but that would have done away with his power. But they didn't want it. Yeah. Well, he didn't want it. I don't even think he even he gave them a choice. Well, I don't think they wanted it. They don't, I don't know. The whole like,
0: I don't know, man. The whole process of them changing and stuff is so weird. I know.
1: I know. It's all Joyce Corrington because it, it's very similar to the <laughs> the last battle at Planet of the Apes movie with, like, they had mutants with, like, psychic powers and it's kind of implied that Zerby Matthias has, like, this psychic hold on people, you know, when when um, Rosalind Cash is turning and she just keeps going to Matthias and going to him. It's like... he keeps calling her name. Oh, well, I know. Lisa. Yeah, Lisa, yeah.
0: Lisa. Yeah. J- I,
1: no, I know, I know, I know. But there was... But they mentioned stuff about how, like, they felt compelled to follow him and, like, sure. things like that. Yeah. Could have explained it more. Um, uh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> I love how they're also so, well, we don't know
0: exactly. You could switch in six months or you could switch in two seconds. We, we literally don't
1: know. We just need to put that in because uh, Lisa switches in like two seconds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this movie, uh, literally, we were rewatching it, and I feel like they had so many choices where they could have made better choices, yep. and they always cho- chose the wrong choice. Yeah. Always. Yeah. It, and I love this movie. I, don't get me wrong. I love this movie, but it is such a weird movie. Classics,
0: lovable movies, aren't necessarily good <laughs> movies. <laughs> uh, I would say Story of the Green is a good movie. Yeah. Like, it's got yeah. a lot more depth and a lot yeah. more interesting things going on. Plus, it's got a... Uh, man. Uh, Edward G. Robinson. Um, Edward G. Robinson. Yeah. His
1: name yeah. you never remember. i going to go come to Shulashide. Yeah. I'm going to go to the suicide room. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's an exact quote from the movie. That wasn't yeah. Jim.
0: That was. Uh, but yeah. Rollerball, those types of sci fi movies had a little bit more.
1: Yeah. A little well,
0: less ham fisted. A little but more. This is
1: the irony of The Omega Man. Yeah. Is that the source
0: material has all that. Look, when I first saw this movie at six or five, I don't know, right, right, stumbled right. across it, or the old man showed it to me. Yeah. I loved it. Of course. And and since then, honestly, my fantasy
1: has been, <laughs> F the world, I'd love to be the last person alive. I, I want that fifth floor penthouse. Yeah. I just hang out and do my own thing. Yeah, except I wouldn't be drinking crappy Cuddy Sark. The guy's got <laughs> access to the best booze in the world, and he's drinking Cuddy Sark Rotgut. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I, I argued at the beginning that it, maybe that was all that was left, but then he actually goes to a bar yes. and chooses Cutty sauce, Yes.
0: Yeah. Cutty Sark. You have got Cutty Sark in this bar.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Rosalind Cash was cast as Lisa, uh, screenwriter Joyce H. Corrington stated that in developing the script for the Omega Man, the character of Lisa was created due to the rise of the black power movement, which was particularly prominent in American culture at the time the film was made. Oh
0: yeah. I mean, it was the rise of the black Panthers. It yeah. was the rise of, I mean, the civil rights movement had already been going on for a while, yeah. but now this was like black power where, yeah, it, where was like... it was like, we're not going to ask your permission anymore. No. We're going to stand up and do our thing. And it's really amazing that they put her in this movie in 1971. Yeah. Which, you know, like you said, I mean, there was still busting segregation yeah. and horrible. They were still
1: fighting over over having to desegregate
0: right. schools. Because people were extremely afraid of black people. You know why? Because uh, they thought that the black people would get uh, power and then do to them what they did to them. Right. Because right. The, they were horrible people. The they,
1: they were. They were very mean to them. Uh, one, <laughs> yes, up <laughs> That's a pretty mean. bold stance, yeah. Yep. They're pretty mean. <laughs> Warner Brothers originally considered Diane Carroll or Judy Pace to play Lisa. Pace was well known for appearing on Peyton Place in 1968 and The Young Lawyers for three years until 1971. And Diane Carroll was a model and... Oh, yeah, she was huge. And an yeah.
0: incredible actor. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Heston wrote in his autobiography that the Omega Man was Cash's first leading role in a film, and that she was understandably... A little edgy. ...about doing a love scene with him. Yeah, because he's 100 and she's 10. (laughs) He's 47. Yeah, and she's what, 20? Probably 24, yeah. Gross. (laughs) Heston explained,
0: It was the 70s that I realized a generation of actors had grown up who saw me in terms of uh, the iconic roles they remembered from their childhoods, It's a spooky feeling, she told me, to screw Moses.
1: (sighs) (laughs) That was her issue, was that she was like, I just look at you and I think of you and the Ten Commandments. Hold my tablets. (laughs) Daddy's on his way. And then he held her tablets. Oh! Were they icy? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Her only feature before the Mega Man was in Clute in 1971 with Jane Fonda and Donald Sutherland. Yeah, we're definitely doing that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was also one of the first interracial kisses to be depicted on film. Uh, This was brought to my attention through Whoopi Goldberg, of all people. Really? Uh, She had a TV show in the 90s, and she had uh, Charlton Heston on. And if you the clips on YouTube, you can find it. Oh, God, yes, it's I, amazing. I I it's this. amazing because they talk about it. And he was like, she was like, "Is it? Was it a big deal? Like, did anybody give you any grief over? You know, did this interracial kiss?" And he was like, he's like, "No." Like they were jealous because she's super hot. Like you know, typical done well, and Young like, pretty good. Yeah.
0: Everybody he was like, oh. jealous.
1: And then and then he was like, well, you know, she's like, she responds back, well, you know it seems like it's becoming a thing again. You know, this was like 1990, 1981. And he's like, oh, is it like, it did, you know, like I thought we were kind yeah. of past that. And she's like, oh, I thought we were too. And he goes, well, they're definitely going to be weird out by this. And then he just full on kisses her.
0: Yeah. And we push
1: myself on the, you. The best part is that she is so surprised and giddy about it that she couldn't stop smiling. She literally had to go to a commercial. Like, she couldn't stop. <laughs> she was just like, oh, my God. Charlton Heston kissed me. Oh, well, okay. So she it was It was. So, it's such a funny. It's a great clip to see just to see her reaction because it's so genuine. And just like she's not upset by it. It was just like, oh, my God. Like, oh. this living legend just kissed me. There was some really good stuff about Charlton Hesson. Yeah. Yeah. You know? He wasn't that
0: cartoonish goon that he became no. in the 80s.
1: No, he just. He also. The problem is, he just loved guns too much. Well, he also suffered from dementia. Yes, he did.
0: And maybe it was earlier than we thought. And a lot of what he was doing had to do with that. uh, Because dementia, you know, a lot of the signs are anger and frustration.
1: Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I'm just trying to give the benefit (laughs) of the doubt. Sure, sure. Uh, some of, uh, Rosalind Cash's television credits include... The Cosby Show, What's Happening,
0: A Different World, Good Times, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Frank's Place, Go Jack, Barney Miller, Benson, Rock, Police Woman, Family Ties, Head of the Class, Golden Girls, and L.A. Law.
1: Cash was nominated for an Emmy Award for her work on the Public Broadcasting Service production of Go Tell It on the Mountain in 1984. She would land a recurring role on the soap opera General Hospital in 1995. She never married, nor had any children. Yeah, like uh, me? Yeah. She died from cancer on October thirty first, nineteen ninety five, at Cedars Sinai Medical Center in L A. at the age of fifty six. Like me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, in nineteen ninety six. That's awful. I, That I, was, I, that terrible. was way too.
0: No, no. I mean, I probably will. But
1: her. That's uh, <laughs> just she way wah, too young. Wah, wah. Yeah, it's fifty six. Is too young. I'll be saying the same things about you, Jim. Yeah. Run. Yeah, in 1996, she was posthumously nominated for an Emmy Award Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Drama Series for her role on General Hospital. Wow, just wow. like just like Jim. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of work on General Hospital. Yeah, so it's it's it, she was so good in the movie. I she was so good. She was great.
0: She was great, and she was tough. She held her own. Yeah, and then it just got weird. It it's was like there was no look, man. She goes to the store. They, they, this is where they had a little issues with yeah. their storytelling. Is So they're going to get out of there. So she goes to the store to grab a few things. But she knows she needs to be back before dark. Now, she comes back late carrying the bag still. Yeah. Like she'd been yeah. from the store. And then all of a sudden we see her. And Gray Lady Gray. Yeah, she's, she's turned, she's into, turned. Into, you turned. Know, or and she's it's,
1: gone, as they say. Yeah, but it's like there was no... I guess they mentioned that everybody, I guess, was sort yeah. of infected. No, and, everybody was infected except for Charlton Heston. Right. And then they tell he him that. He was
0: immune. And then they tell the. That's, that's when they put in that ham-fisted dial, Like, Well, it could be today, tomorrow, six months from now. Yeah, they don't. It, in six seconds. Which, I mean. Well, the fact that the kid yeah. was like months changing. And he, he
1: even had the
0: white eyes, and the white hair, and the white skin. And the, yeah, he was getting way and worse. he had all yeah. the,
1: the goop sores the, on the, his face. The weird lesions. She yeah. had nothing nothing and then within it was, 2 seconds literally it was all... she went to the store and came back and was changed Ugh. i know i know i don't disagree it was it was ridiculous uh but they i they need it's like it's like they force these plot points without earning right. them yes yes i'm looking at you you married couple <laughs> Cunninghams or whatever your name is <laughs> the Corrington's. Yeah. She's still alive, actually. The, the The husband's died, but she's still I have alive. Issue with you, lady. She's like ninety six. Yeah. I'm, I'm going after her. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm coming for you, lady. Bold, bold, my friend. Coming for you. Uh, Paul Coslo was cast as Dutch, the very exuberant little friend of uh, of uh, Lisa. Um, I also do want to point out. Sorry, I was going to say this earlier. It is really, really obvious that the Corringtons are very white, given the dialogue that they made Lisa say when she meets him after the capturing him. Like she, pl- th- there was just so much jive turkey stuff. It was just like, Yo, oh my honky. god! It was so just like, wow.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. There was a period of really bad white writing for black people. <laughs> um, I think the best example of that is an airplane, and they make fun of that by, <laughs> well, right, right. by having jive. And, 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 and then having- and the, the subtitles. <laughs> right. And then the beauty of having uh, Beaver the Cleaver's mother, yeah, jo- yeah. June, June Cleaver, come and be the translator for the jive. <laughs>
1: Dudes, Uh It's, uh, yeah. But yes, it, there was some- This is definitely one of those movies that it was making fun of, for sure. I'm coming after you, honky. <laughs> it you was turkey. So just like okay, <laughs> all right, all right. So Are Paul you calling me a turkey. <laughs> Paul Coslo cast as Dutch. Uh, despite the role he played in the Omega Man, Coslo was most well known for portraying villains in film and TV. Yeah, he was another guy that was
0: like the leader of the biker gang or the leader of the this gang. He yeah. just had that '70s hippie bad guy.
1: Yeah. Look yeah. and feel
0: to him. Yeah. And he did it really well. He
1: did. He did. He portrayed villains in Joe Kidd in 1972, Mr. Majestic in 1974, and The Drowning Pool in 1975. Uh, two very great movies. Oh, yeah. I've never seen Joe Kidd. Joe Kidd's great. Okay. Uh, TV shows he appeared in include The
0: Rockford Files, Mission Impossible, Barnaby Jones, The Incredible Hulk Quincy M.E., Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, T.J. Hooker, The A-Team, The Fall Guy,
1: Dallas, and Hunter. In the Highway to Heaven episode. Hey, guys. Hey.
0: Sorry to interrupt. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I just, my ears were burning. What? I heard you mention uh, Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. Oh, yes. Colonel
1: Will Deering. Hey, Colonel Will Deering. I haven't seen
0: you in a while. Popped in from the 25th just to say, oh, man, he was so fun to work with. He he may be a
1: bad guy on screen, but he'd laugh. Good guy. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and some shenanigans. Got to get back. <laughs> well, thanks for stopping by. That, that was great. Was nice. That was nice. I always love a visit from uh, her. Oh, yeah. She's great. Uh, in the Highway to Heaven episode, The Torch, he played a leader of the American Nazi Party. Nice. Uh, Kossel found it tough to deliver his character's often bigotry-riddled dialogue, and during the filming of a scene set at a Nazi rally, the cast and crew were heckled by passersby since the scene was filmed on location in downtown Los Angeles with swastikas decorating the outside of a building. <laughs> that, must, that would be so hard. I got
0: to tell you a really quick funny yeah. story. So when I was in the Groundlings, uh, w- w- my teacher, I think, was directing something for Corman okay. or some sort of thing. And he he grabbed a couple of the kids from the, from the class. Yeah. There's yeah. one kid that was like his pet. Yeah. And the kid had to play a Nazi. And the kid had to shave a swast- two swastikas into his head, into his hair. Oh, my God. And he had to keep them. Because this is a Corman movie. This isn't like a wig. Yeah. So that MF'er had to keep the swastikas in his hair for like two weeks and just wore a hat, you know, all the time. And it was just oh like. Oh, my
1: God. Oh, it was That's so funny. Horrifying. Yeah. He was Corman. So the guy probably got paid six bucks. <laughs> wow. I can't. You just imagine being uh, on this episode of Highway to Heaven, being like a PA, and like having to corral like passersby, and they just keep screaming at you that you're a Nazi.
0: But it's Highway to Heaven. (laughs) We're the opposite of
1: Nazis. We're
0: the good guys. It's (laughs) Michael
1: Landon. Uh, but hey, good on America for, at least in the 80s, denouncing Nazism as they saw it.
0: Oh, the good old days
1: <laughs> when it was a no-brainer to <laughs> denounce Nazism. and We knew who won World War II. Yeah, yeah. good times. Coslow uh, uh, apparently was not a fan of working with Charlton Heston on The Omega Man. He made a few comments during interviews that he was very difficult to work with. Uh, which is not surprising. I'm a star. It's uh, Charlton Heston. Is you know. this the Omega
0: Man? I'm the Omega Man. It's not the little kid <laughs> show, whatever your, your name is, with your jacket, and no shirt.
1: <laughs> but he was great in this movie. I I, I really enjoyed. Of
0: course, he was. In this movie. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I probably not liking him made for a better performance.
1: Yeah. Kozla would later appear in the Richard Matheson pen movie Loose Cannons in 1990 and appeared as the Russian battle p- robot pilot Alexander in the science fiction film Robot Jocks that same year.
0: I remember Robot Jocks.
1: Uh, this was my my best friend in high school, Damien and I. This was our go-to movie for schlocky badness. That's a good pick. It's so bad, but it's so amazing. Uh his final film role was in two thousand four, but he wouldn't pass from cancer until two thousand nineteen at the age of seventy four. Uh, yeah. F and cancer. But he didn't work for like fifteen years. I well, maybe he had bad health problems for like ten years. Yeah. Or maybe he just didn't want to work. That's true. You yeah. know? Uh Eric Lanouville, Lan- 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 uh Eric Lanouville was cast as Richie. Uh Lanouville joined the cast of room two 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 in nineteen seventy during its second season. That was a great show. Oh yeah?
0: Yeah. It was uh it was one of the First African-American sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, was it Marla Gibbs in Room 222? I think it was about... Possibly, th-
1: yeah. I think it had to do... That like actually sounds right, yeah.
0: School and...
1: Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was a really good show, and it was a groundbreaking show. Yeah, it was a dramedy from James L. Brooks. Uh, yeah, it, I, I've heard very... It won a bunch of awards. It was Yeah, much great. deserved. He appeared in three episodes of Sanford and Son as Esther's adopted son. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to
2: do. <laughs> wow!
0: piles. Um Yeah, I remember him on Sanford and Son. Oh yeah, uh, Esther. That was uh, Fred Sanford's nemesis, right? Right. Wife's sister, right? And he always called her battleaxer. Right. Oh look at you! You go hit with the ugliest dude, the ugly. Oh look how ugly you are! <laughs> and she'd be like, "Oh Fred, you should die." Oh, yeah, I'm going down die. Come, uh, come, to, come to join you, Elizabeth. I'm coming. Oh, this is a big one.
1: And big it- dummy. In 1982, he landed the role of Luther Hawkins in the television series Sent Elsewhere. Uh, he stayed with the series until it ended in 1988. He was great on that. And that was a great show. It was one of the first kind of
0: different hospital shows. It had Howie Mandel, and it had a bunch of, had a, uh, uh, what's that good-looking guy? He's on NC, N- NCIS Mark now. Har- Mark Harmon. Mark yeah. Harmon. Oh, yeah. handsome Mark Harmon yeah. was on it. Mark Harmon has no shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> what? yeah i remember summer school it really bothered me because i like mark Harmon a lot yeah yeah but i remember he took his shirt off man and that guy's got the he's just like a head on his shoulders yeah he's just like a popsicle stick with a head on it weird yeah i never I, hate him. I don't
1: remember that at all I hate wow. him now. yeah you after hate him i saw now. that i was like you no shoulder have it, loser oh, wow wow I, mean, I still like him a lot. Yeah, mark Harmon's great I love him because of summer school.
0: That's... Oh, yeah, everybody does. I don't think anybody from our generation loves him from NCIS or <laughs> JAG or whatever. I don't know what show it is. No, is it no, JAG?
1: No. JAG. Yeah, uh... Or is it NCIS? I, I don't know. They
0: I don't even know.
1: It's on, they might be. They might have combined what? forces now.
0: I haven't gotten to the age where I'm <laughs> legally required to watch CBS and NCIS. And
1: yeah, well. I'm almost there. I'm almost at the age uh, that you hit a little while ago, where I have to watch all of Law and Order. You better get to it. We're going to take the rest of your I life. the rest of my life. That's true. Uh, other features he appeared in, Black Belt Jones in 1974, Death Wish in 1974, opposite Charles Bronson. That's right, Pally. I killed a lot of guys A revenge. Uh, he was in Shoot It Black, Shoot It Blue in 1974 as well. Piece of the Action in 1977, Love at First Bite in 1979, A Force of One in 1979, The Baltimore Bullet in 1980, and Backroads in 1981.
0: Yeah, I Love at First Bite was great. Um, that was uh tan guy. Hamilton. George Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing uh, Dracula, Dracula, which yeah. is uh, famously not tan. <laughs> very pale (laughs) so it was a stretch
1: for him playing a pale character yeah uh lanouville began directing in 1984 his first directing assignments were for episodes of saint elsewhere he has subsequently directed episodes of la law quantum leap doogie hauser md nybd blue er
0: 413 hope street gilmore girls lie to me monk the mentalist invasion medium Lost, girlfriends, everybody hates Chris. Prison Break, Blue Bloods, Ghost Whisperer, Grim, and Chicago Fire. Yeah, he does a lot of directing now. Yeah, well, uh, he's great. Yeah, great TV director. A lot of these guys pivoted. Bill Bixby, he pivoted to TV directing. Yep. Yeah. Before he died, a lot of guys. It's you know you grow up around it. Yeah. Especially these young guys like well, Ron it's, Howard, it's Fred Savage. Fred, Fred does Savage, does a lot of directing. directing now. Yeah. 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 They grew up around it. They, you know, especially
1: TV, you're, you're, you know, mm. you get bored, so you watch the guys do it. And Well, yeah, because you know. You're you're so immersed in it that yep. whole time that it's, it makes sense. for yeah. life. In 1988, Lanoville became the first African-American television director to film in Russia as he directed a two-part episode, Mission to Moscow, for the series Head of the Class. I think I was there at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. I can't get over the fact that Head of the Class just keeps coming up in all of our episodes. <laughs> Head of the Class was a juggernaut, baby. <laughs> it's just weird. Howard Hessman. Yeah. Uh, in 1992, he won an Emmy for directing the episode "All God's Children" of the NBC series "All Fly Away," uh, which I've never seen nor yeah. even heard of. I remember sort of it. I don't. It sounds like it was about angels.
0: <laughs> I don't think so. I, I don't know. His most recently it was about birds. <laughs> birds. Yeah. It was about pet yeah. birds. And the, every time they the the birds when they didn't get their way, they'd be like, "I'll fly away. I will do it." Great. Great. Ka-cha, ka-cha.
1: That sounds great. That, that was excellent. Good. He most recently has been directing episodes of The Equalizer with Queen Latifah at the tender age of 70. He's 70, not Queen Latifah. He's 70. Yeah, no. <laughs> Queen Latifah
0: is my age, I think. Yeah, no, she's my age. Um, she? Mm-hmm. Oh. she? uh yeah, because cause we came up together in, oh, yeah. in the hip-hop yeah. ranks. <laughs> DJ <laughs> Jippa <laughs> Jam. Uh, oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, you should. Here's some of my tunes um some of my raps i don't think we should (laughs) some of my raps um no i love queen latifah i can't i i've been waiting to watch this
1: show only because i keep forgetting that it's on i you know paramount plus has this thing where they just don't advertise yeah like there's a new true lies series yeah did not see a single advertisement for it until randomly on paramount plus and i was like what is this yeah it's weird. I, the original
0: Equalizer was great uh, with that English actor whose name escapes me, and the movies were great with Denzel. Oh, but I, the movies are
1: fantastic.
0: But I've always loved Queen Latifah, and yeah, she has such an amazing just personality and yeah. just an amazing presence, and she's just so likable. Yeah, absolutely yeah. likable, charming. Like Very I totally even cool. watched Taxi. Yeah, I, I sat through Jimmy Fallon trying to act. <laughs> And he did not do a good job oh. at all, poor guy. Poor little guy. I mean, he's, he's... good at make ups and impressions and hosting the show, as all the jimmies are. Sure. The late-night jimmies. Yeah. There's like 10 of them. That's why I'll never be able to host a late-night show. No. It's too many jimmies.
1: Well, you are hosting a late-night show, don't you know that? Uh, I wish. It's, it's required by law now that every <laughs> jimmy has to have a late-night show.
0: Yeah, mine's super, super late. <laughs> um,
1: it's the 3.30 a.m. Yeah. It's great.
0: It's like 15 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of guests. But, yeah, uh, yeah, she was even great in that movie. And, and that was
1: not a good movie. She was uh, bringing down the house with oh, Steve, Martin. Steve Martin. She's
0: amazing. Yeah. She's amazing.
1: She's fun. Yeah, I, I definitely want to see it because I love the concept of the Equalizer. And, look, Jimmy Fallon is a very
0: talented talk show host. <laughs> oh God, he's guys. a good singer and musician. Huh. He's a funny guy. But I think even he would say that he's a horrible actor. Yeah, he shouldn't be in movies. Ugh, he almost ruined that. And again, we're talking about that Golden God movie. What was that movie with... Uh, almost Famous. Almost Famous,
1: when he popped in with his little... Boo, 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 boo. I gotta be honest, that was probably his best part. I mean, his best acting. It was still him. It was just him with a mustache. I, this is how bad his acting is. If you go to Universal and take the backlot tour, he yeah. does like the wraparounds Ugh. now. And even those are Their bad. Whole, so bad. Even that I don't believe. So bad. Yeah. But, you know... He has it in Universal in Florida. He has his own ride. We, I bet we didn't he does. actually do it. Didn't we? Didn't actually do it when we were down there. But like, it's like you're in a, like, a car with him, like oh my traveling. God. Yeah, it that was, sounds yeah. awful.
0: A road trip with Jimmy Fallon just sounds. <laughs> yeah. Look again. Very likable. Very talented. He's great as a host. Oh, sure. Yeah, and good dancer. Good sing. I mean, amazing singer. Like all yeah. the like karaoke stuff. He's he's great. I never watch his show, but he's what I heard is great. Sure. He's the. I don't. There's the only Jimmy I don't watch. Well, yeah. I don't watch James Corden either. No, I'm not a
1: huge fan of James. Corden. No, he just seems like a, a, he's, a jerk. He seems like he's like half a second away from just screaming at you. Yeah, yeah. And it's like yeah, I just don't... seems like a phony, an English phony. Plus, his name is James, not Jimmy. Yeah. So f him. Well, I'm gonna do the Jimbo Show and just shake it <laughs> all up. <laughs> no more Jimmys. Really attract more viewers to your three thirty a.m. late no. night show. It's just me and. The
0: cat, at this point. The Jimbo Show. The Jimbo Show. I'd uh, watch
1: it. Yeah, I would too. Uh, I'd have to. (laughs) Of course you, (laughs) Lincoln Kilpatrick was cast as Zachary. He was uh, Matthias's right-hand man. You know, what's so funny is this guy is so different in every other uh, uh, role
0: that he played. He's always kind of the erudite, like, professor type or cop type or...
1: Lincoln Kilpatrick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he
0: he was so. Av- if you see him without his makeup, you'll instantly recognize yeah. him from all these shows in the seventies and eighties. But I was so surprised that that's who he was. It's crazy because yeah. again, he had the white people right, white and <laughs> black people dialogue. Right, right, that's right brother. I going to get you, baby. <laughs> and, you know, it was just like oh, you know you could see yeah. in his eyes, even though he had those horrible contacts on, and those contacts were
1: bad, by the way. People's pupils were ups and downs, and overs oh, and, and that was. When, he, like... when Heston opens up the kid's eyes, you can literally see his entire eye. And then the the, the, the white kind of floats <laughs> in. <not> sure. <laughs> Could have done take two, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he was actually encouraged by Billie Holiday, of all people, to begin act, his acting career in 1959 in the Broadway production of A Raisin in the Sun. Nice. Uh, in the 1960s, he mainly guest starred in television roles and bit parts in movies. His primary acting talents were showcased in stage and theater work, which he remained active in until his death in two thousand four from lung cancer. Oh, God, cancer! Yeah. yeah, Kilpatrick was co-founder of the Kilpatrick Cambridge Theater Arts School in Hollywood. Uh, he was also the first African American member of the Lincoln Center Repertory Company.
0: Yeah, you can't tell by this movie, but he was <laughs> legit man. He yeah. was the real deal, and he was another guy, you know, talent crush. Every time he showed up,
1: oh yeah, I watch. You were yeah, on. yeah, yeah. He's a uh, I, it's one of those, like, I hate it when these guys, like, their best work comes in theater, which is great, but it's like, I'll never be able to see it. Right. Like, I, you know. Because it's theater. Yeah. It's, it's of the moment. But it's just like, I mean, look at him. He's such a happy. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, Different yeah. looking guy.
1: He also usually had a mustache. Yes. <laughs> which he did not have in this movie. Well, no. He, he just
0: had a lot of white
1: he was so white. Mutation was that they all turned white.
0: <laughs> he was on some show with Lee Horsley for a while. And I think he played a cop. I don't he, know. That sounds that looks familiar. Like I the cop Matt was, Houston, I think he was on. Matt Houston. I think it was a regular on
1: Matt Houston okay. with with Lee, Lee Horsley. Lee Horsley. Yeah. yeah. Uh Brian Tochi was cast as Tommy, the little uh little boy in that was saved by uh Lisa. Uh, he is best known for his characters Toshiro Takashi from the Revenge of the Nerds film franchise. Yeah, that that was a it did wonders for Asian American
0: <laughs> actors back then. That performance was not uh, yeah uh, racist at all. Although he
1: does have the most memorable memorable line that I can't say. Say um, it. Hair pie? Oh, gross! Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there's some rape. <laughs> There's some pretty pretty well, blatant no, rape in that there's, movie. There's some ra- the fact that they go and they they set up cameras and steal it their is underwear a
0: problematic. And movie. like
1: and like yeah. And then the fact that at the end with him putting on a mask and then essentially having sex with her, yeah, it's a yeah, yeah. But hey, she liked it, this, so it's okay. This was one of the one of the first movies when I was growing up, Revenge of the Nerds*, and I'm sure eventually we'll cover it. Yeah, of course we will. Um, but. I remember I knew that it had nudity in it and I was young and they would show it in the afternoons. Yeah. And like there were so many times when I would to watch for my parents and you know, just switch the channel before the boobs came on. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it had our buddy Ted McGinley. It did. It did. He was the head jock. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So Brian Tochi also was cast as cadet later Lieutenant Tomoko Nogata for the third and fourth films in the Police Academy film series. Yeah that poor guy had to a- do a lot of broken English and you yeah. know play a lot
0: of those like you
1: know. he was. He's just like uh, oh shit, what's his name from uh, Ke- uh,
0: Watanabe? Yes, Ke- Getty, Watanabe. Getty Watanabe. Getty Watanabe.
1: Yeah, just like that. You know, you, you got to go through these stereotypes first before you can branch out. It's just not that long ago. <laughs> no, know? I mean this is it's... evidence from the Academy Awards this year, uh. and the fact that you know Ki-Hu-Hui Kwan like had to play that that part and then didn't get any parts for like 30 years yeah like it's you know well, he, his last role was Encino Maine. <laughs> uh which now has two academy award-winning actors
0: in it <clears throat> well we all knew that was coming well yeah we poor Polly Shore when's he gonna get his academy award never <laughs> <sighs> he was really hurt apparently I I didn't watch the academy awards but Apparently, uh, Jimmy Kimmel made a joke at his expense. Oh, really? And he because about Encino man and oh. hurt his fees. Oh. But I get
1: it. I mean, why kick a guy who's you know? I look. I had to spend one day with Pauly Shore. Yeah, uh, I drive him around LA. We we're shooting a pilot, and uh, his car had broken down. It was this beautiful, like sixty-five hey, buddy. Car. I literally drove him around in this like crappy van, and he was so bizarre. Just like he was nice, yeah, but he was just so off.
0: Like it was weird. He,
1: yeah, it was. Just, but every time we were on set and he saw me, he'd point me out and be like, "Hey, the guy dressed me around." That's nice. Like, All right, look,
0: man. I think Polly would be a fun guy. You know, he. It wasn't. Look, the guy grew up at the Comedy Store. His mom was yeah. Mitzi Shore, yeah. who was the sure. godmother of every
1: right comedian from every the seventies and eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know, I know. I, it, it wasn't a bad day. It was just a weird day. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm, I'm less and less
0: on like. Kicking guys when they're down these days. I agree, you know, I like, agree. Like, uh, I saw this thing, and I'm sorry to to no, do no, a speed up, but please. speaking of Ki Hui Kwan, I saw this beautiful video of Corey Feldman watching him win the Oscar, just breaking down in tears. Oh, nice. And just being so happy for his friend. Yeah. And it was like, it was amazing. And people give, like, I think it's criminal the way they treated the Coreys. Uh, Agreed. That poor Agreed. kid. You know, has been through so much, and just was treated like garbage by the media uh, and by everybody in the world. Yeah, yeah, you know, they had attitudes. You know, they were the biggest stars in the world for a while. Yeah, but yeah. they were
1: also brutally abused. Yeah, and given drugs by their abusers. Well, yeah, and and you know, and it, and a lesson in believing the victim. Exactly. Like he came out and and talked about this right it and was punished. For they were it. like, no, like, no come on, no. It. Yeah, it's like yeah.
0: So yeah. that man. The fact that he's still alive, the fact that he's living a productive life with his wife and his kids, and still yeah. doing stuff—you know—that that guy is a resilient. Is
1: evidence from the fact that Corey Haim is dead. Like, yeah. I mean, it was just—it was so hard for them. Yeah, I, it, yeah. It,
0: it's brutal. And anybody making for Corey Feld, anybody making fun of Corey Feldman can. Just eat it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. agreed. Walk a mile
1: in that man's shoes. Exactly. Exactly. Uh so Brian Tochi was also uh, one of his most famous roles was the voice of Leonardo in the first three live action teenage mutant ninja turtles films. Nice, where he got to speak in his real voice. Yeah.
0: Well, sort of. I mean with the <laughs> E hey, He was
1: Leonardo was more educated. Oh, he was more of the He, he was like He the was leader. the leader, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: All right you idiots. So yeah, he, he was, was like the
1: Mo yeah. from Three Students. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, Hi, genocleds.
1: You know, Come on. Uh, we got some shudder to kill
0: here. Leonardo.
1: <laughs> 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 Three Stooges meet the Teenage Mutant Ninja uh, Turtles. That would be it. amazing. I want it. As a child actor, he appeared in an episode of the original Star Trek series, The Brady Bunch, and The Partridge Family. Nice. His first feature was the Omega Man. Uh, I don't think he actually technically had any lines. Maybe one. No, in, I really don't remember movie. him. He was. He just remember him popping up from uh, after Heston showed up, and then it was like all these kids coming out of the woodwork. It was creepy. And he, and he popped up, and I was where'd like, where'd oh, they like come Frank, from, by you? the way? Where'd all these the kids? kids come from? She found them, I guess. Where? I don't know. Around?
0: I don't get it. And they how didn't are these people still any alive? of alive? Yeah, there was know. like, there it, needed they needed to be still a little alive bit more
1: lore. Because it didn't affect, look, I can firmly believe, it well, if it was a virus, I could firmly believe, because then you go like the stand, where obviously some people are going to be naturally immune, or it'll affect them less.
0: But it was a neurological. But this was bioweapon.
1: this was a bioweapon, so it doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, no. If, it, I agree.
0: Unless these kids were in some shelters, maybe they, they were had, in some school shelters. They, or they
1: something. had something that that allowed them to, to a survive and b transform into the albino mutants very slowly. Yeah. yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I am not defending the writing of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Still love the movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's great.
1: You just can't go too deep into it because it all falls apart. Mm. Yeah. Uh, So his first feature was the Omega Man. He has done extensive VO work for animated TV series features and video games. Nice. Nice. So the film takes place in Los Angeles, and as part of the plot, the city is supposed to be void of human activity except for Neville. In the book, does it pl- take place in New York or Los Angeles? Los Angeles. Really? That was also part of the allegory in it is that because at that time in the 50s, the, after World War II, L.A. just exploded. Oh, yeah. And, there and were all these
0: single-family homes. The they were building from the houses bill.
1: everywhere. And the idea was that these veterans would come home, and you literally wouldn't know who your neighbors were. Right. And so it was like— it just was different from the way it was before. Plus, a lot of black, yeah, GIs were getting homes in Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah.
0: and it was a it was a very good time for people after the yeah. war. It was a boon yeah. economically, yeah. And, you Oh know, yeah, it was the best time for people to get new homes, and, and economically yeah. for this country, it was. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I would
1: stop taxing the rich, Adam. <laughs> Uh, so several tricks were used to make the city appear deserted. Uh, this was accomplished in part by simply filming on a Sunday morning in the center of the business district, which in late 1970 was essentially devoid of pedestrian movement early on weekend mornings. Man, that was... Man, back when L.A. was just not that big. I know, I know. It was big, but not big. Well, there wasn't yeah. a lot of people living in it. Yeah. When I yeah. moved here, there wasn't as many people there. Right. It was like right. a third of the population. I wow, think. wow. Despite oh, about two-thirds, probably. Probably two-thirds, yeah. Despite careful planning by the film crew, bystanders were captured on the film in the distance, and moving cars appear briefly in the background during some scenes. Oh, yeah. I always look. Whenever I watch I, that movie, I always look, look like... I, I was, look, too, yeah. and I, I didn't see anything.
0: No, it's, it's, there's a lot to look at, but...
1: Yeah. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's done very well for being practical.
1: I, I was more distracted by when they did still frames that was supposed to be, like, an establishing shot of, yeah. like, something. It was, like, just put a pan on it or something so it looks like it's moving because it was so obviously just a still frame. But even those type of pans looked really I artificial. I know, I know, I know. But, yeah. Uh, this uh, this was the only adaptation of I Am Legend to actually be set in Los Angeles, although The Last Man on Earth is up in the air, whether or not it's it – this doesn't ever specify. Right. The movie was released to mixed reviews. Roger Ebert awarded two stars out of four and found the mutants
0: a little too ridiculous to quite fulfill their function in the movie.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he's not wrong. (laughs) No, (laughs) they are a little bit ridiculous. But I mean,
0: the whole movie is a ridiculous Uh, seventies. Ode to the seventies. You buy
1: the conceit or you don't. (laughs) Exactly. That's it. It's a silly, fun movie. Yeah. Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune gave the film one star out of four, writing that director Boris Segal.
0: Must have resembled a juggler trying to keep four dramatic balls aloft. About midway through the film, the balls started bumping into each other. Seagal began to stumble, and by the time the crow was completing the final scene, Segal was on the floor with the balls bouncing wildly away from his grasp. I'm going to give that review... Two thumbs down for being stupid.
1: Do you know how I'm sure how proud he was <laughs> of that analogy? Honey. Honey. Look at this. You remember I really wanted to put balls into my <laughs> into my writing? Look, I put a lot of balls in it. <laughs> Four balls. He likes he likes juggling. He likes balls. Yeah. As with the last man on earth, the Omega Man wasn't to Richard Matheson's liking. On the other hand, it didn't provoke much of a reaction from the author either. He said The Omega Man was so removed from a book. That they didn't even bother me. <laughs> what is, what I mean? <laughs> well, the, yes, I mean it it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's like whatever, it stands on its own. If it, if it's, if it's, its so thing. away from whatever
0: you wrote, then yeah. how can it bother you?
1: No, no, whatever. I mean And it doesn't even it's not even the same title, so it's basically a completely he's, different He's still getting paid for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. It's uh, family. Well, now yes. Director Tim Burton said in an interview and for his 2009 Museum of Modern Art is- exhibit that...
0: If I was alone on a desert island, I'd probably pick something that I could relate to. Probably The Omega Man with Charlton Heston.
1: I don't know why, that is one of my favorite movies, but it is. In another interview, Burton remarked that no matter how many times he has seen it, if, if it is on television, he will stop to watch it. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's because he watched it as a kid. It's those movies that get into your brain as a
0: kid. Yeah, yeah. And same with me. Like I'll watch this movie anytime. Yeah. We make fun of it, and it's not a great movie. But to me, as a kid, I loved it. And it was, I played Omega yeah, Man. Yeah. I, I was a weirdo, man. I played. I'd put a little, you know, a little scarf on, and I'd play Soylent Green, <laughs> running around the house. That's it's people super weird. yelling super at my weird. mom. It's people, and I'd have her give me little like. You know, some sort More of
1: squares of... squares
0: of green, something that make it look like something green. I was so weird. I
1: don't know how my parents put up with it. <laughs> so Burton said that when he originally saw the Mega Man, it was the first instance that he recalls seeing the use of certain types of cheesy one liners in film. The film film is full of irony-tinged one-liners that are spoken in a manner to elicit a comic response. Burton compares these to the famous one-liners in Arnie Schwarzenegger's film career, such as... I'll be back. Burton would work with Charlton Heston on his version of Planet of the Apes in 2001. People!
0: The apes are people! Uh,
1: So the movie would get remade in 2007 as the Will Smith star I Am Legend, uh, a sequel to this version of the movie is apparently in the works. Yeah, I wouldn't despite the fact that the theatrical <laughs> version literally killed the Will Smith character, uh, they actually had a different ending to I Am Legend where he survived, which was on the director's cut. Right. And apparently they were following that.
0: Yeah, it was supposed to, it's supposed to be Michael B. Jordan and him, I think, that's starring yeah. in it. I think, let's just have Michael B. Jordan.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: Will Smith did his part. Yeah. Uh, let's not throw the baggage on that movie. We don't need it. We don't need yeah. it. Yeah. I'm sorry, Will.
1: Yeah. You slapped your way out of... Being in that movie, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, there was another adaptation of I Am Legend, although it doesn't credit the book or Matheson. The 2007 mockbuster I Am Omega from the Asylum to cash in on the apparent success of the Will Smith movie. Uh, <laughs> the film star Mark DeCasco's the martial artist. Oh, yes. The martial artist, Mark DeCascos. Yes. Uh, yes, I did see it. And yes, it was very, very bad.
0: Wait, Asylum did a really bad made-for-TV <laughs> rip-off movie. I yeah, don't believe it.
1: Uh, so Richard Matheson still hasn't. Uh, he still hasn't seen. I mean, obviously he's passed now. But like at the time when and Will, the Will Smith movie came out, he was like, "I." It's still not the movie I want. The book. No, to be. it was thin. He wanted. He wanted Harrison Ford and I believe Martin Scorsese to do I Am Legend to adapt it. That would. Be absolutely, ridiculously amazing. Yeah.
0: yeah. You know, no offense to Will Smith, but I didn't... Look, he's a very charming man, but I didn't like that movie. I didn't care about him. I cared well, about the dog. It was fine. The effects were horrible. Yeah. It was so... The the vampires were so cheesy and looked so CG. Yeah. And,
1: you know, it's just... I didn't uh, – the lead singer from Faith No More did all of the vocalizations for all of the vamp- or the vampires or whatever the hell they're supposed to be, ghouls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always appreciate that. I didn't – it's fine. I, I mean, from the get-go, I was annoyed by the fact that it was set in New York. Yeah. Uh, but granted, it's still better than – What was going to happen, which was going to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, which I read the script. It was by the guy who wrote the original X-Men movie. Or no, no, no. I think X-Men Last Stand. Anyway, he was really big at the time, and he wanted to do this movie as a huge action movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger that literally ended with him on a boat sailing away from New York and, like, surviving. And it was was just—the whole thing was so awful. Well— yeah. I mean, let's be honest. The
0: I Am Legend it it, it spurred a whole genre of films oh, and yeah. books yeah. and TV, the, you know, the post-apocalyptic. Yeah. And so much is borrowed from the book mostly. Yeah. You know, in terms of the lore of this genre and whether it's zombies, or vampires or yeah, strange albino nighttime weirdies. <laughs> It's if it's done as allegory, it's interesting. If it's done with some something underneath, I just don't think that the Will Smith version had any depth to it. Really,
1: no. It 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 tried, but it didn't. No, you know though. Though, and
0: any movie that kills a dog, f it.
1: I agree. I agree. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, although know. it's funny that you bring up zombies, because George Romero has called uh, the Vincent Price movie Last Man on Earth his the inspiration for doing night, said Nightmare on Elm Street, for doing <laughs> Night of the Living Dead. Really? And Matheson has come out saying that Night of the Living Dead was the closest to what he wanted a movie version of I Am Legend to be. Really? Yeah, like that would be. That would be how he would imagine the adaptation happening.
0: Oh, it would have been great to see uh, a version directed by Romero. Oh,
1: yeah. He would have been great. But uh, it, man, it means... now I'm just going to bum out about the Harrison Ford. I know. I know. Martin's he Scorsese would be so great. Or... If it was done in, like, 1980, like, it would have been so perfect. Even 90, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. the guy, look, he still looks good.
0: But, I mean, you know, he didn't really start showing his age until his mid-60s. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he would have been great. And he could play a scientist. That's the thing about Ford, man. Yeah. He's an everyman, but he also could play a scientist. He could play, he's played doctors, he's played lawyers, he's played Indian chiefs. believable, yeah. He's uh, (laughs) no Indian chiefs, but he's, he he just is such a good actor and he's somebody that I could watch by himself for two hours.
1: Well, and that's, this is the thing, is that, I said this, I've been saying this for years ever since I first read the book, that the, the perfect adaptation of it would be an extremely low budget movie. Let's do it. Like it'd have to be very low budget. When does it become public domain? God, it's got to be close. I mean, unless it got renewed, I'll look into that. Because it's got to be close. I mean, well, no, it'd be. It's gonna be like another like twenty years. Because I think stuff from twenty nine just went into the public domain. Yeah, well, we'll do the asylum. Thing I, I don't know how they get away with that stuff. Like, I don't know how they do that. Because it's
0: but. just different enough, either by parody laws or by
1: just making it different enough. I, it's it's literally the book. It's well, Technically, no, it's a remake of The Omega Man, right. really, above anything else. But it's so awful. Well, look, I love
0: the 70s. You know that that's yeah. my very favorite decade. Yeah. And I love sci-fi from the 70s. And I love... Greasy, sweaty, losing his hair, a little bit of chubby, crazy giant choppers. Yeah, Charlton Heston. Yeah, yeah. He, there's just something about him in the
1: '70s that was just glorious. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't even talk about the fact that he survived a helicopter crash.
0: Oh my God, how did okay. he do that?
1: Yes, it, the, the the
0: helicopter, the the copter crashes, explodes, huge explosion. He comes crawling out, looking like. Bugs Bunny he's that like, just got blown up in a cannon.
1: And he's like three feet away. Yeah.
0: <laughs> his clothes are just shredded. Yeah. He's got a couple of little blood spots. But he's fine. But he's pretty he's fine enough to jam the the the
1: the bendy syringe into
0: yes. his leg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, the plastic syringe. And he got it into his into his leg? Is that where you put? Yeah, he put it in his leg. Yeah, but yeah. is that where you I've never no. had an injection in no. a leg
1: before. You do, you just have to find a vein, I think. Um, he went
0: through his pants. Right. He's got like eighty different rips in his pants to go through, but he still chooses well, to go through the pants. He
1: had to inject it into the uh, polyester. The, well, there was like a thing underneath that that did the, so he could actually inject it in without injecting to himself. So like it was a pocket that was inside his pants. What do you mean for the special effect? Yeah, now, of course. But I'm just <laughs> saying, you know, they did have telescopic.
0: Needle technology know, back then. I know, I know. Where it looks like it's going in, but it's not. I, I, but
1: then, I, I, I
0: look, the movie obviously made bad choices. <laughs> There's nothing funnier than him crawling out of that wreckage with his clothes shredded, <laughs> like he's a cartoon. Vaccine! vaccine! I need the vaccine! Yeah. Um, so, all, it's yeah. It's so great. It's lo- so great, but I love
1: this movie. It is Not a great movie, but it is so much fun. This is definitely the kind of movie that you
0: fall in love with as a child, and it sticks with you because you fell in love with it as a child. For me, at least. Yeah. And it's also one of those movies that if you're like, oh, my God, you want to show it to a friend or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or something, you're like, you got to see this movie. It's such a great movie. They're not going to like it, probably. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They're not going to probably have the same reaction that you did. No, no. But whatever. It's not for them. It's for us. And... (laughs) God, There's no get, shame in loving it. We
1: didn't even talk about how weird the score is. Oh, yeah. It's so inappropriate at certain times. Well, yes. It's very yeah. upbeat during death scenes. <laughs> After he died, it was like, bong, 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 bong. Yes, like, as hey. he
0: becomes God. I mean, the God allegory at the end is super Strong. ham-fisted. Are you God? That was,
1: that was all Heston, by the way. That's right. I am God.
0: Yeah. I'm going to die as a crucifier. Yeah.
1: He saved the world. He did there's eighteen thousand gallons of blood in that? T- Except for the fact that nobody else knew how to make that serum, the serum was already made. Yeah, but they but they could only use it for so long, and then I guess they had to. I guess they had to just keep cycling the blood through each other.
0: I don't know. It seems very thin. I don't think that the they were going to make it to Montana
1: again. You you can't go too deep
0: into this movie. And did they they were able to save? Rosalind Cash, right? They, they took her with them, so I her. assume. So they're going to put... But that's like, that's where all the serum's
1: going to go. And why, why didn't Matthias, like, he won, why didn't he take her with them or why didn't she go with them? I don't... I thought, didn't he die? No. Did At the end? I thought... No, I guess not. No, because he, he threw the thing and stabbed him and then... Just walked away? And then he walked away. <laughs> I'm going back. I win! Yes. <laughs> um, I don't weird. remember him dying. Did he die?
0: I don't no, know. No, because
1: Zachary died. He got shot because he tried to in- infiltrate inside. Right. I don't think Matthias did.
0: Wow, we literally just watched this. I know. That's <laughs> how confusing this movie is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway. I, but look, right. if you love cheesy 70s movies, wow. if you love cheesy sci fi, and you want to see somebody chew the scenery, spit it out, chew it up again, <laughs> watch this movie. And I say this with love because it is. They don't make movies like this no, anymore. No. Even uh, there's a charm to the bad movies of the 70s. Yeah. That I think we don't have now because I think people were really trying. Yeah. Even yeah. though the movies were bad, they were still really trying. And I, you know, I think a lot of the rip-offs yeah. today, like the asylum stuff, they're not trying. They're no, just, you no, know, they're no. just trying it's just to get churning, it out. turn churn, churn, churn. Yeah. yeah. So there is a definite, you know, little engine that could. <laughs> I think I can. I think I can. Yeah. Aspect to these movies. But look, this Soylent Green, uh, Rollerball. Yeah. Uh, even, you know, even, even,
1: even Planet of the Apes. Planet
0: like. of the Apes, of course. Even like 2001, the yeah. Space Odyssey. All these movies kind of fit into the same genre of the 70s sci-fi revolution. Mm-hmm. And what made... These movies a lot of fun was like the ham fisted social issues that they jam try to jam in there. Yeah. And all of the things that they did <laughs> To, like, it just makes it such a time capsule of the time. Right, right. Because, you know, the fact that he's just popping eight tracks in. Yeah. And that's all there is, is eight tracks. Well, he's got a, a record player, too, but mostly just eight tracks. Yeah, yeah. Because that was the technology at the was, time. It'd be like making a movie, and everybody's watching laser discs <laughs> for the rest of time. Uh, but it's just, it's a time capsule. Watch it. It's no. the best way to start Richard Matheson Month, because it's his most, I would say his most, a famous story, yes. In terms yes. of you know being made I mean, so much, yeah,
1: it's been adapted four times. Where like people
0: it, mostly yeah. know him, um, yeah. Do yourself a big favor, read the book. Yes, definitely read the book. It's it a is great book, so good. And uh, and you know, if you got time, watch the first one you you can totally
1: you can you can watch the last man on earth is out of copyright now so it's all over youtube yeah there's like a 4k version it's on there's a colorized version i recommend it it's a little slow but it's good it's it's definitely to me is the closest to the book yeah uh but you know it was just made on a very low budget but it's a great
0: fun 70s time it's great you should watch it um
1: and we got, what are you
0: coming up oh, next Oh, next,
1: next week we're going to be doing The Night Stalker. Ooh. First of our TV movies we'll be covering yeah. at some point. Yeah. Uh, Night Stalker, I'm super excited. I haven't seen it in a long, long Same. time. Yeah, yeah, it's been decades since I've seen it. And it's huge. We'll talk more about Matheson and his TV work and all that stuff. Fascinating dude. Yeah, he's an interesting guy.
0: And this is Adam's birthday month, so he yes. insisted that we do Matheson. Yes. Just like I insisted that we did Yeah. Steve Martin and Martin Short.
1: I just, I love Matheson. All right, we'll be back next week. Soiling Green is people. (laughs) About it, Matheson said... What does he sound like? Is he British? Is he American? No, he's American. I was disappointed.
0: He was from Jersey originally, so... I mean, I don't know how much of a Jersey accent he I was uh, disappointed in the film, even though they more or less followed my story. I think Vincent Price, whom I love, in every one of his pictures... Right, hold on. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Good times already in progress.